Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. Genesis chapter 8 this morning as we continue our series on the life of Noah, which will conclude next week. Genesis chapter 8. In this chapter, the flood is going to come to an end and God is going to dry the earth. God is going to reestablish the world in which Noah and his family will start living in. And there's several things that really jumped off the pages to me as I studied this passage of Scripture that I would like to share with you this morning that I think has relevance and application for us today. The first is this. The Lord never forgets His people Some of you even today, maybe in a a season or a situation where you think, God has forgotten me. Well, God never forgets his people. Notice it says there in the 8th chapter, the first verse, that God remembered Noah and even all the wild and domesticated animals that were on the ark. God remembered Noah. Now, this word remembered is not an act of memory. It's an act of mercy. You see, it's not like God actually can forget. Like, he wasn't, like, up there in heaven busy doing something else and then went, Oh, my goodness, no one and his family are on the ark. I've lost, you know, like somehow he misplaced them. Like, all of a sudden, he's like, Oh, my goodness, you know, I, I forgot about them. No. No, in fact, this word speaks of the faithfulness of God. It is the fact that when it says God remembered Noah, it means that throughout the time that he brought them onto the ark and every day that they were on the ark and now getting ready to get off the ark, God took care of them. God didn't just see them to get into the ark. He actually took care of them and all of the animals while they were floating there in that ark for a year. The Bible reminds us of this. How God not only brings us and takes care of us through something, but brings us out the other side, if you will. You see, He didn't, he didn't remove Noah and his family from the earth. They, they had to go through the flood too. It's just that they had a provision of God that would be secure and stable to get them through it. You see this pattern with God and his people throughout scripture. He brought the Israelites that he delivered from Egypt through the Red Sea. He brought Daniel's friends through the fiery furnace. The Bible tells us that the Lord is good indeed. He is a refuge and he will protect those who take refuge in him. He watches out for us. We see this with Lot. God remembered Lot and brought him out of Sodom. God remembered Rahab and brought her out of Jericho. God knows how to rescue his people. And the reason is because God always acts upon his promises. That's what this 
is reminding us of. And if you do mark your Bible or highlight your Bible, I would highlight those three words in verse 1 of chapter 8 of Genesis, God remembered Noah. And the reason I would do that is because it should be a reminder to us that God never forgets his people. And therefore, if you have come here today thinking somehow that God has forgotten you, misplaced you, somehow you're off his radar, that is not true. A couple weeks ago, when we were on Wednesday night and we were studying through the book of Zechariah, through the prophet Zechariah, God tells his people, you are the apple of my eye. That phrase means God is saying, I never take my eyes off of you. You may think I do, but I don't. And then through the prophet Isaiah, God tells his people, I have inscribed you or engraved you on the palms of my hands. It's as if God's telling me, I'm not going to forget about you. I mean, the main reason is because he loves us. He loves us so much that he was willing to come to earth as a human being to die for us. How would a God who is willing to go to those lengths and make those kind of sacrifices, to humble himself in that way, how could he ever forget about those that he he was willing to die for? And so, even Noah, and maybe some of Noah's family members, may have at times while they were on that ark floating around on all that water thought, are we ever going to get out of here? Are we just going to float on this boat forever? Is God forgotten about us? And so very importantly, Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible and recorded these things for us, reminds us that God remembered Noah. And God wants you today to know that he remembers you too. He always is acting upon his promises to us. It is a sign of faithfulness to us. It reminds us that God not only takes care of us to get us somewhere, but will make sure that we get through whatever he's allowed to come into our lives. Just as he did many, many Bible characters. Now you'll notice there then, In verse 1 and 2, the Bible starts to tell us how did God do this? How did he begin to dry up the earth? And first of all, it stopped raining. That was the first thing. He shut off the waters that were coming from both directions. But then it also tells us that God caused this great wind to blow upon the earth as well. Which again sort of reminds us back to the Red Sea Incident where the Bible tells us that God literally brought a great wind that literally divided the Red Sea so that his people could walk through on dry ground. God used both of these to begin to dry up the earth. But until the earth was completely dry and until the ark actually settled on dry ground and no one and his family could disembark off of the ark... The second thing I saw here in this passage was that though God 
always remembers us, never forgets us at all, that there will be seasons and times in our life where God will test our patience and our faith. We see that beginning here in verse 5. On down through, really, verse 14. Where Noah and his family are still on the ark. He's like, well, I've seen that it stopped raining. I know that there's this wind blowing. So then he starts to send out birds. And you'll notice, first of all, he sends out a raven. And the raven comes back. Then doesn't. Because a raven can, will pick up anything dead, land on anything dead. So there could have been things floating on the water that the raven landed on, is why he maybe didn't come back. But then Noah starts sending out doves. Just trying to find some sign of dryness and life, because you can imagine. Well, we can try to imagine. Noah and his family probably wanted very much off of that ark by this time. I mean, think about it. Even family members that normally get together, how do you like to be crammed in with each other and not really be able to get away from each other for a long, long period of time? Oh, and then you've got all these animals. And you've got their dirt. And you've got their smell. And you've got all that that's going on. And you've had all that going on now for quite a while. And so I'm sure that, humanly speaking, it's like, God, thank you for providing us this ark. Thank you for saving us. But can we get off this now? Can I get off this ride? It's like sometimes how we are. It's like, okay, God, thank you for, you know, I I know your hand's in there. and And I know you brought me up to this point. But can we get through this season of my life? Can we get on to the next chapter? Because I'm sort of getting tired of waiting. My patience is waning. I thought, I thought of myself as I was, you know, preparing for this. Because obviously, over these last couple years, it's been like, God, when, when are we going to be able to get the loan? And when are we going to be able to break ground? And all these things. And God just kept saying, just wait. And you and I are like, I don't want to wait. But that's exactly what Noah had to do. And this scene that we see here taking place in Genesis chapter 8, really verses 5 through 14, is is giving us insight into the waiting and the hoping that was taking place within the ark, even with Noah himself. And yet we also see here in Noah that this man was not going to make a move off of that ark until God led him and directed him off the ark. You see, God told Noah when the flood was coming, but God didn't tell Noah when the flood would end. In a sense, when he could get off the ark or when he could get into another season, turn the page. He never told him that. Because God wants to test our patience and our faith. Why? 
Why are there times in our life where it seems like, just like, no, it's like, I'm in, I'm in this boat. I'm, I'm constricted. I'm sort of like, I want out of this situation. I want out of this circumstance. I want to move on, God. And yet it seems like I can't get out of this. Why does God allow us in there? Because God wants us to build in those seasons and times of our life more and more of a trust and faith in Him. What does James say? James chapter 1 says to Christians, count it all or consider it pure joy when we fall into trials. Not for the trials themselves. No. The trial could be bad. But James says, as a follower of Jesus Christ, God can use those trials to what? Build up my endurance and perseverance spiritually. That's why James goes on to say, because we know that the testing of our faith produces endurance or perseverance. And God is all about making sure that you and I have enough inner spiritual strength and stamina and stick and perseverance and endurance that no matter what comes into our life, we have the spiritual wherewithal to be able to not only navigate it and rise above the floodwaters, but to be able to do it successfully and come out the other side even better than when we went in. Take Job, for example. And all the trials that Job went through. He learned through that whole process a a patience and a perseverance and endurance that the Bible said made the second half of his life even better than the first half. Because again, God's not about just capriciously just choosing to allow things to come into our life to somehow discourage us and defeat us and to harm us in any way. That's not God. But we sometimes look at it from that perspective because we're stu- we feel stuck in a certain season of our life and we can't seem to get past it. And God is saying, I've got to keep you here like I kept Joseph in prison, like I kept other people in certain situations because you're going to learn through this some lessons and things that you could have never learned if I let you out. And so I'm sure that Remember, because God is preparing now Noah and his family to basically start the whole human race over again. And the human race had to then start on a pretty good foundation, right? And so God wanted to make sure that Noah and his family truly were people of faith so that they could begin to pass that trust and faith on to their children and grandchildren and on down through generation after generation. So we see, first of all, that the Lord does not forget his people, but that there are times in our life, there are seasons in our life where God will keep us in a certain situation because he wants to build our spiritual strength. He wants to build up our perseverance and endurance and spiritual stamina. And the only way to do that is to test our faith. To keep us in a situation a little while longer. In fact, that's why even James says that as a follower of Jesus Christ, I should let these trials, if you will, have their perfect work in my life. I should understand that there's a purpose behind this. 
And that then doesn't lead to discouragement. It actually leads to me being able to count it or consider it all joy. Because I know that God is using even those times where I feel stuck to do something great in my life, you see. And Noah needed to be reminded of that as well. And then we come to this phrase down in verse 16, where God commands Noah to come out of the ark. You see, Noah waited for God to tell him to get off the ark. And then Noah said, okay, Lord, I'll get off. I mean, could Noah have physically departed or disembarked from the ark? Before this, he probably could have physically. But he wanted to make sure that he did not make a move until he knew that God said, okay, now it's time to move on. Now it's time to turn the page. Now it's time for a new season, if you will. And that's very important for us as well. But when we walk with God, as Noah did, when we live life with God, something else that I saw here in this passage is that with God, there are always new beginnings, new opportunities, new possibilities for all of us, just as it was for Noah and his family. Because we realize, right, that At this point, when they begin to exit off the ark in verse 17, when God says, bring out with you all the creatures that were on the ark and start inhabiting and being fruitful and multiplying, that Noah was stepping out with his family to a completely new world. The world of Adam and Eve was extinct. It was gone forever. And everything about this new world was going to be different for Noah and his family than what they were used to pre-flood. It was going to look different. It was going to sound different. It was going to smell different. Everything about this was going to be new. And the important thing there is that sometimes that's what prevents us from stepping out and letting God do something new in our life. And yet we love it when God gives us second chances and third chances and umpteenth chances. Because that's, again, with God, that's the way it is. There's always new beginnings. There's always a chance for all of us, no matter where we are and what we've done and all that, to say, God, I want to start over. And God says, okay, let's start over. He's all about renewing and restoring and giving us those new opportunities and new possibilities. And he certainly did that with Noah and his family. He's saying, step out, Noah, to a whole new world. The reason that's a struggle for us sometimes, even though we know God is clearly directing us to come out of your ark and now let's move on to something else is because why? Because we fear the unknown. Because again, we haven't learned to trust God enough in those seasons that he puts us in to strengthen our faith and trust in him, to truly trust him to lead us into the unknown. God, I, I want to know what you're, where you're leading me and what you want to do with me first. You show me where and then I'll go. And as I said a couple weeks ago, take Abram, for example. Abram said, or God said to Abram, go and then I'll show. 
We want God to show us and then we go. God says, no, I'm not that way. That's not faith. I want you to learn to trust me enough that I can send you into the unknown and you'll be okay with it because you trust me. Many times that's what holds even Christians back in their life, in their service, in their ministry, and what they could do and all the potential that they have. Because what? Well, I don't, I don't know what the future holds. But folks, we can even take this church and the history of this church for an example of that. Then this church would have never started. Because all I knew at that time was God wanted me to start the Oasis. I had no idea how things were going to go from there. And if I did, can I tell you, I wouldn't have started it. Right? When, when you start to know some of the things that you may have to face and go through and all that, it's like, well, oh, I don't want that. And even now, as a church, we're, we're on the brink of stepping into a new season. And you may be a little fearful and like, wow, I wonder how the church is going to change and I wonder what's going to happen and is this going to happen and what if this and what if that? And God is just simply saying to us, I've led you here and I'm leading you here. So trust me. Trust me. Yeah, there's going to be some new things. But if I'm leading you to this place, you've got to understand it's going to be great. Because I'm your God and I'm good indeed and I love you and I only have what's best for you. Be willing to follow me and step out. You see, the ark was not just obviously this huge barge that provided security and, and obviously safety for Noah and his family, but it would also become in time probably their comfort zone. In one sense, they wanted out because they didn't want to spend one more day with all those animals and even around close to each other like they had been. And they wanted to do something new. But in another sense, it was like, but what's this new world going to look like? And what's it going to be like? And how different is it going to be from the old life that I knew pre-flood, and the, the world of Adam and Eve? And so, you know, there's almost that struggle even within us sometimes. It's like, I don't like the situation that I'm in, but I'm afraid to step out because I don't know what the future holds. And I don't like the unknown either. And can I tell you, that's even why many Christians sort of stay in the misery that they know, because at least I know that even though I know God wants to lead me to this, you know, promised land, say like the Israelites, God, I, I, I don't trust you to lead me to that promised land. So I'm going to stay here in, in this place where I really don't like it. I'm going to stay with, with my, with my smelly animals and maybe even my smelly family. And I'm going to stay stuck in this situation, God, because at least I know that situation. And I've come to sort of learn how to, how to navigate it, if you will. Not successfully, but I've learned how to deal with it. And God is saying to his people, step out of your comfort zone. 
Step out of that box, that ark that you now have gotten comfortable in. Because if God puts us in that ark to get us through a certain season or trial, He doesn't want us to stay there any more than He wanted Noah and his family to stay in that ark. The ark was there for one purpose, and that was to get them through the flood. It wasn't like God wanted them to live out of that ark for the rest of their lives. So God may be saying to some of you today, get out of your ark. You've been in that comfort zone too long. Step out and realize the new possibilities and the new opportunities and the new beginnings that could be yours if you continue to walk with me. And then I love this. The first thing that is recorded in Scripture that Noah does when he gets off the ark is he builds an altar to the Lord. I love that. Noah built an altar to the Lord. He took an animal. He sacrificed it. As soon as he got off the ark. Isn't it significant to you That God wanted us to know that when Noah did finally get off the ark and come out of the ark, his first response to God was, God, I want to worship you. This is the first mention of the word altar in the Bible, by the way, here in Genesis chapter 8. And obviously, an altar is more than just a worship center. It's a place of sacrifice. And so it is a reminder to us that worship is really sacrifice. It is offering something back to the Lord, if you will. And Noah got that. I mean, Noah's first thought is Godward when he leaves the ark. I mean, think about it. All the questions and all the fears and concerns that Noah may have had about coming off this ark and now seeing all this new stuff and mountains that he had probably never seen and valleys that he had never seen and topography and geology and geography and all that was different from the pre-flood world that Noah knew. And yet his first thought was, God, I'm going to get near you. I want to worship you. I want to come before you and offer a sacrifice. And it's not even the sacrifice itself that pleases God. It's the heart of Noah in his sacrifice, as we've already learned from Cain and Abel. And yet we see here something very important. And that is that you and I can learn from Noah. In making God and the worship of God the priority of our life. In a sense, acknowledging and recognizing where everything I have comes from. And that's really what Noah was doing. Noah saying, God, thank you for sparing me and my family. Thank you now for providing the ark and all the animals on the ark. And for for taking care of us the whole time. And now for bringing us out on dry ground and for allowing us the privilege and the honor to basically start the human race all over again. You see, every human being here today 
Every one of us could literally, if we had the ability, we could trace our roots, our ancestry back to somebody in Noah's family. Because every human being on the earth today didn't come from Adam and Eve. We came from Noah and his family. God started over with one family, and therefore all of us descend from him in some way. Worship to God is so important because worship is simply stopping and saying, God, I acknowledge you. I recognize you. It's because of you that I'm here. It's because of you that I have what I have. And so, God, now I am I am acknowledging that by offering back to you sacrifice. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. Because the final thing I see here in chapter 8 is how the Lord will respond to us as we worship Him. The Bible says, And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma and said to Himself, I will never again cause the ground because of humankind even though the inclination of their mind is evil from childhood on, I will never again destroy everything that lives as I have just done. While the earth continues to exist, planting time, spring, and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night will not cease. Now, a couple things. First of all, it reminds us that when we take time to worship God and make Him a priority, He will always respond to our worship. And He will do so in a couple different ways as He did here to Noah. First of all, He sends Noah a promise. And He also is sending Noah reassurances and reaffirmation so that Noah can again start out this life as sort of the head of the human race without any kind of fear and trepidation. You say, well, why would Noah have fear and trepidation? Well, he lived through the first destruction of the world. And why did God destroy the world? Because every thought and inclination of people's hearts was evil. And now God says, I'm not going to do this ever again, even though human beings are going to be human beings. You see, he didn't want Noah to come to a place where Noah starts worrying, oh my goodness, all I do is look around and see all the evil that people are doing and doing to each other. Is God going to destroy the world again? Because remember something, even though God preserved Noah and his family, they were far from perfect too. They needed the salvation that only God could provide. So therefore, the family and Noah who went into the ark as sinners, they came out of the ark as sinners. And it didn't take very long as population started to come back through, you know, all of their generations that that's exactly what happened. Man just went back to the kind of people they were pre-flood. And God is simply saying to Noah, even though that's where they're going to end up, I'm not going to destroy the world in that way ever again. See, I think when we worship the Lord, 
The Lord will bring promises into our life and we will hear him clearly speaking to us and reassuring us and reaffirming us and establishing us. That's what God will do with us. He will strengthen us as we worship him. So if you and I do not make the worship of God a priority in our life, if we do not stop long enough to acknowledge him and recognize him, we will end up as weak rather than strong. Now, I know I'm preaching to the wrong people here today, but you being here today, that's an act of worship. Why? Because you are saying, God, you are important enough that I need to take the time on Sunday morning to come to the church and acknowledge you and recognize you and thank you and appreciate you. So God, I'm going to stop everything. That's why God created the Sabbath to begin with. Because God wanted mankind to live his life in such a way that there would be a regular stoppage of life as it normally is, if you will, long enough to pause and say, God, I got to stop for a moment and I got to give you time. So many Christians even today do not take the time and make the time in their schedules to worship the Lord, to acknowledge and recognize and appreciate Him, and then wonder why they are in such a spiritually weakened condition. Because God says, I'll meet you as you worship me. And I will build you up and I will restore you. And I will will share my thoughts and promises with you. And and I will reaffirm and reestablish you and reassure you as you worship me. And then God says there in verse 22, that even the changing of seasons, even now the new sort of, you know, temporal uh, temperature uh, differences and and seasonal differences that I don't believe existed pre-flood is going to be a sign to you, Noah, and to all who come after you that I'm a faithful God. Because every time the season changes and every time it gets hot and cold, and cool and warm, you will know that I'm behind that. And that in every season and through every season of life and through every variation of your life, I'm still there. I'm still God. And I have never forgotten about you. Let me go back for just a moment in closing to this whole concept of worship. Just like I encourage some of you that if you mark your Bibles or whatever to mark the words, God remembered Noah, I'd also like you to mark, if if you would, Noah built an altar to the Lord. Because that is a reminder to us, not only that God doesn't forget about us, but that we shouldn't forget about God. Because even though God never truly forgets us or misplaces us or loses sight of us, we as human beings can do that with God. We can spend days of our life forgetting about God, sort of misplacing Him in our lives and just going on with life without any regard 
or acknowledgement or recognition of God. And we have got to be reminded today in this great chapter, chapter 8 of Genesis, that though God never forgets about us, neither should we ever forget about Him. And what can aid us? What can help us to do that? Well, just like Noah, offer sacrifice. You say, well, what sacrifice? I mean, God doesn't want us as New Testament believers to bring oxen and, and, and cattle and you know, sheep and lambs to, to his house to sacrifice like they did in the Old Testament. So what kind of sacrifices are you talking about? Well, Hebrews 13, 15 says, let's offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Paul says in Romans 12, to present your body a living sacrifice to God. God says to his people, are you willing to offer me your time, your talent, and your treasure? Let's talk about those three just very briefly. Time. What time in your life are you willing to offer to God? That's a form of worship. If I truly say, God, I love you, you're important to me, then we need to make time for God. What time are we willing to offer to God as a sacrifice? Second, our talent. What are we willing to do to sacrifice even, to share our talents, our abilities, our spiritual gifts with the body of Christ? Which is, by the way, where it starts. Let me just say that as a pastor of a local church, that I can back this up with Scripture. That if you are going to share your talent anywhere, it starts in your local church. So many Christians have been given spiritual gifts and talents and abilities, and they're not sharing it with anybody. We need to not only be willing to share it, but be willing to make the sacrifices necessary to share our talent with our brothers and sisters in Christ to the glory of God. And then finally, our treasure. What material investment, what material resources are we willing to sacrifice for the kingdom of God? We don't talk a lot about that here at the Oasis, but there are times where we need to. And we're coming into a season now where we need more than ever people who say the Oasis is my church. This is where God has led me to be willing to say, God, I need to invest my time. I need to invest my talents that you've given me. And I need to invest my treasure to make what you have in store for us, all possible. Because it's not just going to take one or two of us or one or two families. It's going to take all of us pitching in to do our part to get us to the place God wants us to be. And that's worship, folks. That is worship. It is offering God what He has given to us as a sacrifice back to Him, acknowledging God It all has come from you. Now I'm going to turn it around and I'm going to use my time and my talent and my treasure to bring glory to you in in your kingdom. Could we stand please in prayer?
God, I ask you today to take this message from Genesis chapter 8. And God, hopefully to provide some comfort to people here. People who may have felt that you have forgotten them, misplaced them, laid them aside, taken your eye off of them. Maybe even, Lord, that they are in a season of life and feel like in this extended season, is extended circumstances, like, man, God, this is a long, drawn-out thing. And God wants to remind you in His words of comfort that there's a reason for it, there's a purpose for it. Don't get discouraged. I'm using it to strengthen you. I'm using it to enable you to trust me and believe in me even more than you already do. But God, this passage is also a challenge to us because it reminds us that we need to be willing to step out and explore new possibilities, new opportunities, and new beginnings with you, God. And that we need to be willing to worship you, God, by offering up our time, our talent, and our treasure to you. God, would you use this passage both to comfort and challenge us, your people today, as we rest in you as Noah did. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 